Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. This is where success happens. A member of the industry syndicate, Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. And while we were there, for the six months we were with the 1-1 AD, that, that Army Brigade, they had lost nine Abrams main battle tanks, 15 Bradley fighting vehicles, and 34 Humvees, and they had 61 killed in action, and over 500 wounded, and of those, from Task Unit Bruiser, our SEALs, we lost Mark Lee, who was the first SEAL killed in Iraq, Mike Monsoor, who was the second SEAL killed in Iraq, who was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor after he jumped on a grenade to save three of our other teammates. And finally, Ryan Job, who was shot in the face, gravely wounded, blinded in both eyes, made it back to America, was medically retired from the Navy, and after his 22nd surgery to repair the damage that was done to his head and face, he died as well. I can tell you as tragic as that was and as heartbreaking as it was to lose our brothers, those guys believed in what they were doing. They believed in the mission. They knew we were fighting an evil enemy, that we were making a difference, that we were having an impact, that we were ensuring more soldiers and Marines came home to their families. And those guys are the true heroes. So what do you bring home from a situation like this, from a deployment like this? Well, obviously you bring home a burden a burden that you carry for the, the guys that you didn't bring back. But you have to bring back something positive as well. And what we brought back was lessons. Lessons that we learned. Lessons that we took and passed on to the younger SEALs. And lessons that we carried forward. And now pass on to folks in the civilian sector so they can apply them to their businesses and their lives. Now, how do those two things match up? Well, it's actually pretty easy. Combat is similar to life. Although combat is a little amplified and intensified. And by amplified and intensified, here's what we mean. So one evening in Ramadi, we receive some intelligence that a very high-level Al-Qaeda terrorist leader is located in a particular village, just like this, outside the city. This is a very bad guy, responsible for the deaths of American troops, Iraqi troops, innocent Iraqi civilians. We're going to put together a plan to go capture or kill this guy before he can do more harm. So with Jocko across the city, temporarily, on some other operations, I was the senior SEAL in charge of this operation. We called our troops together. We started putting together a plan. We briefed that plan to our troops. And then we loaded up in our, ge our gear, threw on our helmet, body armor, weapons, radios, 
loaded up in our armored Humvees, drove off out into the night. And we're driving all blacked out, no lights, on night vision, just as we train to do, down these narrow, dangerous roads, just like you see here. Our Humvees pull up to a stop just some distance from the village. And our, our assault force dismounts. Our SEALs, Iraqi soldiers, through, through your night vision, this is exactly what you're seeing here. Without night vision, all you're seeing is a black night, some, some lights flickering in the village, maybe a dog barking. But this is what you're seeing through the night vision. Guys kitted up, ready to go. Our assault force is going to move up to this enemy compound. So they do that on foot as quietly and quickly as, as they possibly can. They slap a big explosive charge on the door. Boom! They blow that thing in. They go in there, and they're clearing that building as fast as they can. Meanwhile, I'm back with the Humvees. Our Humvees drive up into position, and my vehicle comes to a stop just outside the target building. I step onto the street, and my feet haven't hit the ground for just seconds. And I hear my shooting buddy next to me yell, we got a squirter. That means somebody fleeing the target building. So we've got an Iraqi man running away from the target building. Well, this might be the terrorist we're after. We have no idea. He doesn't have a weapon in his hand, so we can't shoot him. But we damn sure can't let him get away. So me and my shooting buddy are the only people in position to do anything about this. We take off running after this guy. And we follow him down this dark, narrow alleyway around a group of buildings and down another alleyway, and we finally catch up to him. We get him down on the ground, just as we're trained to do, control his hands. We gotta get a search on this guy. He doesn't appear to have a weapon in his hands, but under his clothing, he could have a pistol, he could have a, a grenade, he could even have an explosive suicide vest, which could kill us instantly. So we gotta, get a, we gotta search this guy quickly. As we're doing that, the hair on the back of my neck standing up, I'm starting to become conscious of the fact that we are totally separated from our unit right now. They have no idea where we are. I'm not even sure where we are because we just took off down this labyrinth of alleyways to follow this guy. So I'm, I, in those few seconds, we got to search this guy and we got to move back. I thought we were all alone in the world, but I thought wrong. I'm looking down the alleyway and, and all of a sudden around the corner comes this right here. I'm looking through my night vision. Seven, eight enemy fighters, heavily armed, RPGs, belt-fed machine guns, AK-47s. They're not there to shake our hands. These guys are maneuvering on us to kill us. So here we are, kneeling on this guy who hasn't been searched, totally separated from our unit, surrounded by buildings that haven't been cleared. And now we've got an enemy force moving on us, not 40 yards away, closing the distance with us every split second. We're outnumbered and we're outgunned. What do we do? Default aggressive, that's what we do, we attack. And with my M4 rifle, I laid down fire into those guys, hammered the first, the first fighters coming around the corner, and the guys that could still run, they ran. They went back the way they come. Now what do we have to do? We have to move. I'm laying down, laying down suppressive fire, covering fire, keeping those enemy heads down so they can't peek back around the corner while my buddy grabs that prisoner, falls back to a position, now he's in a position where he's, he's shooting and covering for me so I can move back, and we leapfrog like that back around the corner. As soon as we get around the corner, I'm still covering. My buddy gets a quick search on that guy. No suicide vest, no weapons, great. We're moving back. We, hand, we get back to our team, hand our prisoner off to our prisoner handling team, and I can go back to my job as being ground force commander. That all happened in just a split second, in, in a matter of seconds. We were, we were back to our team. We did exactly what we should have done and uh, we survived a pretty dire situation. It could have gone very badly for us. We could have easily been killed. 
How in the world did we, how, how in the world could we do that? How did I know how to do that? How do we not only survive, but thrive in that situation? And the answer is these four principles right here. Cover and move, simple, prioritize and execute, and decentralize command. Cover and move. It's teamwork. It's us working together. If both me and my shooting buddy in that particular situation go in different directions, if we're not working together to help each other, we're going to get killed. And, and we're, we're damn sure not going to accomplish our mission. Because those guys are going to kill us, move around the corner, and then kill our buddies. So we have to work together as a team or we die. We die alone. So everybody in the team has to work together. And cover and move for us is a tactic. As I described in that situation, I'm laying, laying down fire, covering fire, so that my buddy can move. Now, when, when he gets to a position where he can cover from me, then I can move, and we work together as a team. And that applies whether you're talking about two guys, four guys, 10 guys, 100 guys. Working together as a team, mutually supporting one another to accomplish the mission. And obviously, it applies in the business world as well. In every industry that we work with, there's always multiple divisions or departments inside of companies, and they have to work together. This industry is easy. Sales and operations, right? If the salesmen are bringing in deals, but the operations department isn't getting them closed, you die. If, if the operations department is ready to get those deals done, but the salespeople aren't bringing them in, you die. So you gotta cover and move for each other. Second, simple. People, people have got to understand what they're doing. They gotta understand the mission that they're a part of. Imagine that situation I just described to you, if I turn to my shooting buddy, as those guys are moving around the corner towards us, and I start drawing up a complex plan in the dirt and say, okay, you go here, I go here. There's no time for that, right? We can't, that doesn't work in real time. We have to understand the mission, we have to be able to execute, and orders have got to be communicated in a manner that's simple, clear, concise. And if people aren't doing what I need them to do, I've got to figure out a way to, to communicate in a manner that's better so that they can understand it. And again, that's the same message we push to businesses. Usually, when your subordinates aren't doing what you want them to do, it's not because they don't want to, it's because you haven't made it clear enough what you need them to do. So you've got to be simple, clear, and concise in how you talk to your folks. Prioritize and execute. In that situation, as we're kneeling on that guy, separated from our unit, enemy force maneuvering on us, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen now. And it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed in any situation like that. How do you handle a multitude of problems simultaneously? It doesn't matter. The greatest battlefield leaders of all time, they cannot take on dozens of problems simultaneously. You have to figure out what the highest priority is and execute, get the team execute to accomplish that task and then move on to the next priority. When you're, when you're overwhelmed, when bullets are flying around, when explosions are going off next to you, when your buddy's in pain because he's wounded and you're trying to get him help and there's just such an emotional reaction to that, how do you do this? We teach our leaders to relax, look around, and make a call. That's how we prioritize and execute. And, and while you all, I don't know if we have veterans in here or not, but a lot of you may not know what it's like to have bullets flying at you and explosions going off. But have you had that phone ringing from some crazy realtor that you're late on a deal, right? A borrower that has an inspection gone sideways, now they don't know if they're gonna get their dream house. Well, you're gonna get all those calls at the same time. And what you gotta do to get through it is prioritize and execute. 
Decentralized command. This is the opposite of micromanagement. Can you imagine in the situation I described to you, we're in that dire situation, enemy forces maneuvering on us. If my, my shooting buddy turns to me and is like, hey, sir, what do you need me to do? Is that helpful? <laughs> That's actually not, not only is it not helpful, it's catastrophic. We're going to get killed. I, can't, I don't even have time to tell him to shut up and stand over there. I'll get to you here in a second. I, I've got to have someone who can look and see what needs to be done, understands what we're trying to do, and is able to execute to make that happen. That's exactly what, what happened. That's exactly what made us successful in that situation. I didn't even tell him a thing. He knows exactly what to do. He can see what needs to be done. And in order to do that, your troops have to understand not just what to do, but why they're doing it. And if they understand the why, then they can execute with confidence, knowing that what they're doing is going is to achieve the strategic goals of your organization. And that's what we teach our, our organizations that we work with, is that everybody at every level has to lead. And they have to understand what the mission is. They have to understand what the goal is. In this business, what it would relate to? You okay, you're a loan officer? Your LOA has to understand what, they can, what they're supposed to do so they can do it without you telling them to. Your processor, the same way, your ops department, your realtor partners, even your borrower. If they don't understand what the mission is, how are they gonna get you those documents turned in on time? They don't even realize how important it is. That's decentralized command. Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I am super excited about Sales Mastery 2020, the live digital experience. This is the first time in the 28 year history of Sales Mastery that we've actually gone entirely digital, responding to the market, and we're gonna be broadcasting the event live. What does this mean for you? Well, first of all, front row access, yes, front row access to the longest running event and most extensive training event in the industry, bar none, and 30 days of access to every session after the event has concluded. No airfare, no hotel reservations, no extra expenses, just cutting edge content from world-class speakers, trainers, and industry experts delivered straight to you in the comfort of your own office or home. Click the link in the show notes and check out the speakers, panels, and agenda. Over 10,000 attendees have already registered. Secure your spot today.